what the purpose behind these three weeks, uh, what we, were, we set out to try to accomplish, was to really be encouraging and really, really discuss real-life topics as we see them in our day and age today because these are subjects that we don't talk about openly. We don't talk about honestly. We don't talk about from a spiritual or biblical perspective in a, uh, the way that I've been approaching this, in a conference type of setting. Sure, there may have been a sermon or two, a, a preacher, you know, a, a Bible thumper or two to be able to talk about these things in times past. Um, but, but my feelings about the discussions that we've had these, the previous two weeks and what we're going to talk about today is um, that, is that we, we, we need to, yes, approach it biblically, but also encouraging, but also unlike ever before because we live in a different day and age today. Each, each generation is different, right? And we talk about that. It's a little tongue-in-cheek reference we make that each generation is different and has its challenges. But I, I think that the challenges that we're seeing taking place in our world today, we kind of scratch our heads and wonder, well, how did they, where did this come from? Some of the things that, are, that, are, that have been making their way into our culture and have been per- permitted to enter into our culture today by, at large, by large, uh, uh, by, by our culture at large, is that it, is, is, it causes our jaw to drop and wonder, you know, you know where, where, where have we gone? And, and is it because we've been ignoring things in, in, in recent years that we haven't made a voice or, or been the Lord's voice, maybe as as loving or as encouraging, but also as truthful as we need to be. And so I hope that we have been informative. I hope we've been encouraging. I hope that we've been open and honest. Because one of the things, especially coming out of last week, that um, uh, we, I believe we wanted to um, uh, kind of just put out there is that these, there, there's no perfect home. There's no perfect marriage. There's, there's, and today, there's no perfect parenting. Um, uh, you know, there's no perfect child. There's no perfect mother, no perfect father, but we're doing our best. And we're, and we're, we've, we're you know, the, the sum of our experiences from what we may have read or what we may have experienced ourselves growing up. And to be open and honest about what the Lord has to say in regards to our sexuality, our gender, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to uh, being parents and as well as being children, and, and, and seeing what Scripture has to say about that, talking about it in terms of our experiences. I'm sure that there's a lot of things that, that you'll be thinking of as well um, in regards to this that, that would have been, uh, I guess, good food for thought for us to think about, to, uh, especially uh, today when we're talking about parenting. Uh, I made this point last week that it seems that in Scripture what we see is, is uh, are marriages that are, should be, are less of an example in terms of us finding encouragement. And I think it's bec- that, that's testimony to the fact that it is difficult and we do have our own makeup. Our, we come from different homes, different personalities, different experiences. How do we m- meld that together? Now the antithesis of that is when we're talking about parenting. Uh, because there's a lot to say in Scripture about, about children and parenting. Uh, a lot more to say about parenting and raising up your children than perhaps how to have a, a good and happy marriage. 
And I think that that's, uh, that's interesting. We're going to be able to draw that out today. Uh, but there are struggles when it comes, whether it's, when it's marriage, when there are struggles when it comes to parenting. There are struggles that our children are going through that uh, we might not uh, be aware of as parents. Or we kind of gloss over it or we don't have the heart-to-heart conversations with our children um, that, that, that we ought to be having. And some of that, I think, stems from the, uh, the notion uh, that I feel that we've kind of come to in our culture that, that parents try everything that they can to be their child's friend instead of being their child's parent. And, and because of that, there, there are certain things that, that, uh, that, uh, that parents uh, want to be involved in with their kids and want to do and, and, and feel like it helps them feel young at the same time being involved with their children in that way. Uh, when, when in all actuality, we're not preparing and our generations are not preparing their children for life in this world. And I think that's going to come out in our conversation today. But when it comes to parenting, there is a struggle because we want to be able to have our children on our side and we want, to, want, our, want our children to understand that we're on their side. But at the same time, we have to teach them. Teach them how to interact with other people. Teach them how to be productive in society. Teach them how to take our, our faith and our beliefs and what we know to be true. And to be able to translate that into their lives and to be able to continue those, those truths so that uh, the next generation will be raised up in a way that honors the Lord and also continues our society, hopefully down, a sane, a sane path. And, and we struggle in that. We're, we're struggling to, to make those connections with our kids and especially with our teenagers. And, and that's what I think the crux of our conversation is going to be about today. And, and uh, I'm actually um, I, encouraging, I've encouraged Pastor Mike all week, being our student minister, to actually, to be the one to actually speak to those things that perhaps that, that we're unaware of. And so, so Mike, I just, I just encourage you to just uh, take it and, and, and lead us in this sucker today. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for this, and I started thinking about it, and I thought... You know, who right now has teenagers? Who are the ones that have young families that have teenagers? And for the most part, it's Gen X. So I figured we'd play a fun little game. I'm going to pit the families against the kids, and we're going to play a game called Gen Xers Say What? Gen Xers Say What? So I am going to put up some phrases on the screen, um, and you just shout out church-appropriate answers for... uh, (laughs) For what these phrases mean. Um, and we're going to see who does better, the kids or the parents. So, so can you speak Gen X? What's our first one? Bodacious. Bodacious. What does bodacious mean? Awesome. What's our, what's our answer? A blend of bold and audacious, meaning excellent, wonderful, and very enjoyable. How you doing, kids? Students, y'all doing good? All right, what's our next one? Don't have a cow. Don't have a cow. What's our answer? Stop being worried, anxious, or upset. Calm down. Just calm down. What's our next one? Gag me with a spoon. 
gross. Like gag me. <laughs> gross what? Gag me with this spoon. Something that is gross or obnoxious. What's our next one? Goober. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's our? Someone who's goofy. Um, I know during sound check we showed these and everyone said Mike. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. So what's our next one? Take a chill pill. Calm down. Take a chill pill. Relax. Relax. Calm down. Chill out. Where's the beef? <laughs> Where's the beef? Coming from a uh, coming from a commercial, but it was a way to say something lacks substance. Where's the beef, man? Wigging out? I'm wigging out, man. Yeah, I'm paranoid, freaked out. This is crazy. What's our next one? Barf me out. <laughs> Gag me with a spoon. It means gross, disgusting. Apparently, Gen X thought everything was disgusting. What's our next one? Eat my shorts. Eat my shorts. What we got? A way to express anger, to taunt someone, a way to dismiss someone. Makes me think of Rodney Dangerfield. All right, what's our next one? Call for Ralph. Wreck it, Ralph. Vomit, yeah, Ralph. Call for Ralph to vomit. So, so now that we've talked about some stuff, and, and it's obvious that parents, y'all probably did better, right? Students, how many of you got some of those? We played this, uh, we played this a couple of months ago, and I think the students were like one for ten. You know, they didn't know anything. Uh, so now that we've talked about some stuff that they don't understand, um, how about we talk about some stuff that Gen Z and Gen Alpha understands that Gen X may not? Um, how about we talk about some stuff? And a lot of times what we're going to see is that the, the generations really haven't changed much. The, the statistics haven't changed much, but at the end of this, I'm going to give you um, a statistic that's really going to make you understand why this is so different. So, so as far as it's, it's dealing with pride, what are Gen Z and Gen Alpha? And in case you don't know, Gen Z are high schoolers. Gen Alpha is elementary and below. So Gen Z is, is middle school and high school. Um, Gen Alpha is elementary right now and below. Um, and so what are they dealing with? Well, they're, they're dealing with a lot of pride at the moment. Gen Z and Gen Alpha believe they have it harder than any other generation. And this is statistically proven that, that they, will, they will say that they have it harder than their parents did almost eight times out of ten. Um, they're also being called the most entitled generation. Um, Gen Z and Gen Alpha all believe that they should have exactly what their parents had starting out. Um, it, it's very tough for this generation to understand that what, they, what their parents had, they had to work a long time for. Um, and I believe this really started at the tail end of the millennial generation um, because we kind of felt that as well. We were just raised in it. We didn't have to go through a lot of hard times. When you think about it, coming from the end of the millennial generation and up, we've seen nothing but really peace and prosperity. You know, we haven't seen a lot of hard times. Um, and so we, we don't understand that, putting back in, in that kind of way. And Gen Z and Gen Alpha definitely doesn't understand that. And so they deal with the fact of why don't I have what my parents did? Why don't I have what's going on? So um, it's, it's, it seems to be an entitled generation. With that, it, it means they're very depressed. 
there's also a lot of Gen Z and Gen Alpha that believe they will never have what their parents had. You know, they will never have what their parents had, so it's kind of a, a different. Um, we, we, they deal with pride. They, a, a, a massive thing is, is lust. You know, a massive thing is lust. Um, statistics show that a, a, a Gen Z or Gen Alpha's first, let's say, adult content that they've seen is at the age of 11 years old. 11 years old is when they see that first content. Um, and really, a, a shocking statistic is that 79% of that is an unwanted exposure at home. So, so the average age is 11. 79% of that is an unwanted exposure at home um, or an unwarranted exposure at home. And really, it got me thinking because I couldn't understand what was going on. Um, but really, if, if I look at my life, being completely honest and transparent, um, there's a lot of things that I grew up watching that I watch now um, or that I have watched that is probably highly inappropriate. That is probably inappropriate. And, and, and those are things that, that are on, that is, is on the TV that my children don't, they're not asking to see that. And so the, the, first, the first exposure, 79% of that, because really, how many times have you turned on the TV and within 15 to 20 minutes you thought, do they really have to put this on the TV? And how many times do we turn it off? Not often, right? Not often. Um, the average age of a teenager's first adult encounter is 16. Uh, with the younger majority being 13 to 14. So within that time span, there's a lot of things happening. But So you, you have this, 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 you know, area right here, this age of area where there's a ton of feelings and, and, and chemicals flowing. Well, then you add in things that are inappropriate, and it's just a time bomb. It's just a time bomb, and they're dealing with it. And again, how many Gen Xers and Millennials didn't deal with that? Not many of us, you know. I mean, we dealt with it. It was there, but we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Um, another thing is gluttony and not the food. Um, but but gluttony of things. So so this this generation binges shows and social media. Um, the latest statistic says that the average teenager will spend thirty two hundred hours on social media this year. Thirty two hundred hours. If you break that down, that's nine hours a day. Nine hours a day on social media. Uh, there and it, this. This generation has been said that it is the most connected generation, but the most disconnected generation that's ever lived. That, that we are so connected, but we have lost physical connections. Um, described as the loneliest generation. They're described as the loneliest generation. Um, the, the latest statistics say that one out of 12 Three to 17-year-olds will be diagnosed with um, anxiety, depression, or some form of ADHD. So one out of 12. Think about that. If you have a student group that's got 24 kids in it, there's probably two of those in there that's dealing with anxiety or depression. There's also a statistic that says 20 to 30% of that goes undiagnosed. So you have 20 to 30% of that that has a diagnosis, 
I mean, you've got 20 to 30% of that that does not have a diagnosis and they're suffering alone. But then you also have, you know, at least two in that that are suffering and they don't really know what's going on. Uh, They face bullying on a scale never seen before. Like we said, we faced bullying. You know, there was, there was bullying when I was growing up, but it was never in your face. Who of you got your first cell phone pre-2010? You got your first cell phone before 2010. How many of you got your first cell phone after 2010? I didn't get a cell phone until 2008. Which means that, that I spent 20 years of my life never connected to everyone. There are, this, this generation is being called technical digital natives, meaning that they don't know a time that they've never been connected to the internet. We were, we were talking about something the other day, talking about the internet being invented, and I can't remember the exact year, but I said something about it being invented in 2003 or something like that, and they all called me a liar. <laughs> I was like, I remember being in school and not being able to connect to the internet. I remember getting in my car and driving and no one knowing where I was. No way to get in touch with anyone. How did we survive? But this generation is digital natives. They've never known a time when they weren't connected to everyone. And we just said that they spend 3,200 hours a year on the internet, nine hours a day. That means that there's nine hours a day that they cannot get away from bullying. That it's always there. And there's so many people in this generation, and really the older generation, that are so used to being able to say whatever they want on the internet and not get punched in the mouth. You know, when I was growing up, the way you dealt with a bully is you confronted them head on. Well, how do you do that when the bully is 30 miles away? So this this group is really dealing with a lot of things, and that turns out into wrath. This is being called the angriest, most depressed generation we've ever seen because of the loneliness and just not being able to get away from things. So, so... There's a lot of things that are going on. What, what, what have y'all experienced as you know, having some, some Gen Zers? Well, we um, have been blessed to raise four, I think, um, with two, into two groups. We have um, uh, two that uh, was born in 97 and 2000, and then two that were born in, 14 and, in 2014. No, 2004 and 2007. Sorry, I was adding to that. And even though they were born within 10 years of each other, they really grew up into two different groups. What, talk about that first group of, of well, our kids. Well, that first group was kind of at the, the very beginning of the, the digital explosion. And so we were able to raise them for several years, you know, not on the Internet all the time, not able to be connected to things we don't want them connected to but as it moved forward and forward it got it's harder and harder to control those outside influences that come into your home and into your children's lives and um, so yeah it's a totally different world that my youngest lives in than my oldest grew up in 
and our parenting styles have had to adapt because mm -hmm. of that too. Whereas where I think the first cup, first two, they may have been more involved and hands-on in things that were happening in the house and needed to be done. If there was a, if there was a project that I was working on, or a, a, you know, woodworking or a building project or renovation project in the house, I think the first two were more hands-on than the than the last two have been as well. And I think that when you're when we're talking about these, the way that our our culture has changed and has shifted to become more digital, there are fewer uh, children, you know, the, the generations that are growing up and learning those life skills um, that, that we had to learn because we had to be hands-on, um, you know, they're becoming fewer and it's becoming more difficult. And one of the things that Michael was talking about is, you know, they're not, they're not learning to interact the way that we maybe were raised able to interact or being able to debate being able to, to recognize that that person has a different view than I have, and that's okay. I'm going to state my view. They're going to say their view, and we're still going to be friends. It's okay to have different, different points of view. But, but whenever the, the focus is on being able to, to communicate like this, and you're never looking people in the eye or never conversing back and forth and hearing each other's voice because all, you, all you're able to do is to, is, is to do this, our, the generation today com, is it has a deficiency of uh, in communicating, debating, arguing, getting over the argument, being able to push through and move through those things because they're, they're not learning those life skills. Have anything you want to share? Because you, you all, both of your children are ten and under. Yeah, both of our kids are Gen Alpha. Do you have anything to say about? Raising the younger ones? <laughs> I know that with, with us, it, it's funny with us because a lot of ours just comes into to, to stories that I don't think that we thought the way our kids think. You know, common sense right now is kind of a superpower. You know, I mean, you should be kind of a superhero. Do you have a, a funny story about Nara or Ace? I know that one of the ones for me is one of the things that I used to love was Sunday morning cartoons. Who watched Sunday mor uh, Who watched Saturday morning cartoons? And and watching Saturday morning cartoons and waiting for the commercials, you know, because it's like, man, I got I got to write down my Santa list, man. I got to see what new toy is out, you know, what new toy is out. So I kind of live for the commercials. Well, we don't have cable; we just stream through the internet. Um, you know, we, we decided that we didn't want to spend eighty dollars on 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 TV, so we spent one hundred and ten on streaming apps. You know, um, and so so we just stream. Um, and so Ace is watching Paw Patrol the other day, right? And so it's on this Sling TV app. Well, it has commercials, um, and so it like comes to commercial, and he's like Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. And I'm like, it's a commercial, buddy. It'll come back on. Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. In 30 seconds, this kid has melted down into like this blob of anger on the floor because Paw Patrol's not on. You know, this. So I'm like, we got to have cable because we're depriving our kids. This kid has no idea what commercials are. You know, and just freaks out. So. I remember when commercials used to be the time you could run to the bathroom, right? <laughs> I remember that. Not anymore, right? Um, yeah, and 
when we when we recognize when we're able to to really pinpoint what is what is the difference it it is it really does revolve around social media it revolves around them being our children raising up in this digital age and how how are they being taught to navigate through that and and that is something that as a parent we don't know because we didn't we didn't grow up in that era we didn't have parents teaching us how you know you know what to watch out for what to look out for when it comes to social media when it comes to the internet well, i mean you know you you have all of this information now that's outside of the world book encyclopedia at your fingertips and you can look at and see and search whatever you want to that i i, I know i wasn't raised to be able to navigate that and what I fear is that because of that, we're not adequately teaching the next generation how to navigate that. And in fact, we're actually using it to be the babysitter. We're using it to be the thing that that's actually revealing to our children the things that we ought to be teaching our children or showing them to do or, or how to deal with. Do you, do you have a comment on that? Or are you good? You're good. Okay, you, you think that I said it. And I think that, that that affects certain areas in their life. I think self-esteem is, is one of those things that, that goes along with what Mike was saying a moment ago about them being depressed. I think that, that, that we're raising up a generation with little to no self-esteem at all. We're raising up a generation that doesn't know how to communicate, that doesn't know how to debate or argue anymore, and we can see it on the news every day. We even see it amongst our politicians, right? But now we're, we're having politicians that are of this generation that are being elected, and we're seeing they don't really know how this works, do they? And we scratch our head and going, how did they get elected? Because they're getting elected by people who don't know how it works either. And we're, they're, they're, this, this generation is being raised in this social media and this world philosophy, world, you know, connected to the world philosophy, are, are, are now becoming leadership and all in our, in our world and in our communities. And there comes a time when we have to recognize and win back and take back that as, as our roles as parents, we have to learn and learn quickly how to navigate this thing that is really affecting our children in ways that we we didn't have to struggle with before yeah and i think that one of the one of the things that i get is especially from parents and from people in the church um about this situation about gen z and gen alpha is it was one how should parents respond and two how should the church respond so what should the response be from parents in the church and when I talk to parents, the three things that I usually tell them is be involved, be proactive, and be your child's spiritual leader. Um, be involved, be proactive, and be your child's spiritual leader. Um, and, and being involved, it, it, to me, is, it speaks to Ephesians 6.4. You know, uh, you know, parents, don't, don't exasperate your kids. You know, discipline them, but don't bring them to anger. You know, has anybody ever done math homework with their teen? With their eight-year-old? Uh, I know that Caroline has some stories about uh, about math homework uh, with an eight year old. You know, um, so it, it didn't, but Proverbs twenty two six. You know, train up a child in the way he should go, and and when he's old, he he will not depart from it. You know, be involved. I know that there are things that I've had to tell my two year old son that I never thought I would have to form at another human being. 
I never thought that I would have to tell my kid, son, if you bite the cat, it will bite you back. You know, I never thought that I would have to say that to a kid. You know, uh, I, I never thought that I would have to do some of those things. What, what, what do y'all have to say about just being involved? Well, I think um, an important thing, sometimes we hear those Bible verses just thrown out there. Like this is how you, you know, just train up a child. Just, just do it. But I think we forget training <clears throat> is a long-term pros- project that you just, it just keeps on and it keeps on and you do it over and over and over. Um, and we just have to start so early that we can do it over and over. Excuse me. Okay, I can talk so that you can get a drink. Okay, and then we'll give it back to you. So those two verses that Pastor Mike brought up from Ephesians 6, 4 and Proverbs 22, 6, I feel like that we shortchange what the Lord is actually telling us to do as parents. First off, when it comes to Ephesians 6, 4, when it talks about exasperating our children, it, it, it makes it sound like daddies, because we're the ones that are usually doing it. A couple weeks ago now, we talked about, look, we need to celebrate the differences between male and female, because we're different in certain ways. And this is one of those places in Scripture where the Holy Spirit told Paul, you need to call daddies out, because men are more like this than other, and, and that is to exasperate our children. Now, exasperate our children, um, but train them in the instruction of the Lord. Let's, let's, let's not focus so much on, don't make your children upset or angry but it's don't make your children feel defeated is is what this is what Ephesians 6 4 is actually getting at the purpose of the parent is to raise your children to love God to fear God to follow God and to be productive members of their society be able to raise godly homes but when all a, a daddy does is talk down to his child and 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 make them feel like dirt, it's kind of hard for that child to have respect for their father in order to turn that back around and say, Daddy, I want to be like you. Because this passage actually starts off by saying, children, obey your parents. But it's kind of hard to obey a parent whose daddy or whose mom is constantly berating you, berating their child, and making them feel like that they're little to next to nothing if not, not even important to them and important in their life. And that's really at the heart of Ephesians 6, 4, is making certain that as, that as a dad, that you recognize that your role in your children in building the, the attitude and the character and the self-esteem and the strength in their life so that, that when they do become of age, that they will be able to function appropriately. And the same thing for Proverbs 22, 6. It's about training. It's not about telling. It's, it's not about shouting down. It's not about saying this is what you will do and this is what you will believe. It's getting them to in, get it ingrained in their system. This is who I am and this is why I am who I am. Not just because daddy told me or not because mama said that's how it is. You know, I brought you in this world. I can take you out. It's not about that. It's about them being able to get within themselves. This is who I am. This is how God made me. This is, this, is, this is what makes me, me, and be able to celebrate that, whether it's celebrating the, who they are when it comes to their gender, to their personality, to their experience, to their makeup, to who, what they like to do, and, and allowing the Lord to be able to build them in that character. Did you get your drink? You want to build upon that? 
especially as a homeschool parent, you're there all the time. Talk about that. Well, I was just noticing one of the other scriptures that you were going to bring up in a minute kind of tells you how to do that training from um, Deuteronomy 6, you know, that we should love the Lord and teach it to our children. But it just says, talk about it all the time when you get up and when you sit down and when you walk along the road and when you, whatever, it's always there. It's, it's never, it shouldn't be now it's time for that. That, but no, it's it's part of life, and that's, um, you know, that's when they start to get things ingrained, and not just um, what the Sunday school teacher can do in one hour a week. You've got them all the other hours. <laughs> so. Yeah. How how many times do we hear about parents getting mad at their school teacher because their kids didn't learn math? You know, what, what, what is your role, you know, is to take what might have been said at the school and build upon that and help them to be able to learn it. But it's always, it's always the teacher's fault. Yeah. And one of the things that we were talking about being involved, we talked about this, the students, you know, being online. Uh, one of the things that Caroline brought to my attention the other day was I was, I was getting on to, to Nara about, you know, you got to put your phone down, you know, you got to put your phone down. And, and so... Uh, they definitely learn from us because, well, like, Nara has an old phone where all she can, like, play games. So she didn't realize, like, this morning she was on her phone in the car trying to text her dad. We're on our way. Good morning. And she's like, why are my texts not sending? And I'm like, you have to be on the Wi-Fi. Like, they don't realize what all it takes to make it work, but they see us because they don't realize, like, we actually do work from phones. Like, we have important emails that come through and or anything like you, how do you make something? And so we're Googling it, but they don't realize. They're like, well, you're on your phone all the time, so they want to be. But going back to what Doug said, like um, father's leading, Nara definitely gets that from her dad because, like, now I'm at school every morning, but he used to, he would take her to school every morning. And every morning, what do you say? Be a Barnabas. And that, what is being encouraging. And so Nara, like, a few weeks ago, she came home from school. She said, me and a friend started a prayer club. And I'm like, she definitely gets that from her dad, just to go up to other kids on the playground and say, do you have anything that you want to pray about? I'm like, other kids may not even know what that means, you know, so she's willing to talk to them about that, and she definitely gets that Awesome. <laughs> and in, when Marsha brought up the Shema, I think that that's part of it, what you were saying there, is that you're in the car, where are they going to go? They're in the car. You got. You, they need you to take them where they need to take them. Use that as an opportunity to talk to them about those things. You know, it talks about when you get up, when you go to bed. You know, t- you know, in the Shema in Deuteronomy six. And so, you know, the Lord placed it out there. You know, when you get up in the morning, kid, son, daughter, how can I pray for you today? What do you have going on? Whenever you're traveling from place to place, when you're in that car, you know, being that encourager in their life and talking to them about the things in their life. When, they, when you sit down for dinner, I mean, what a great time when families getting around the table and talking about what took place during the day today. And then even whenever they're going to bed at night, you know, what was, what was something that was challenging in your life today? How can I encourage you? You know, to be able to speak that into our children today, to let them know that, one, that their parent is doing more than just disciplining them 24-7, but that their parent cares about what's going on in their life. 
Uh, that builds self-esteem. That builds a connection that sometimes that we miss out on because it seems like all they're hearing from us is, don't do this, don't do that. And what they need to hear is, we're here for you. We're here to pray for you and to help you through whatever that situation is. You know, the, the children are committing suicide today now at a greater rate than they were 20 years ago. More committing suicide today than they were 20 years ago. And I think the biggest role in that is social media and the, and the bullying that takes place online and the things that people are saying about their pictures that they're posting online. And, and they're taking it to heart and they don't know how to communicate it to us as parents. And it's coming back around and it's, and it's damaging them in ways that we, you know, like, like Mike was saying earlier, you know, if somebody said something bad to us, you know, we, we fought them. <laughs> we, we, we fought, you know, we got up in their face and we handled it then. But that's not happening today. And our kids are internalizing messages that they, they need the closest people in their lives to let them know that, that it's false, that they need to ignore those things. Yeah, I think that one of the things when we talk about being a spiritual leader, I think a lot of times we, we, we think that that means like, the, the Shema means that you've got to read the Bible to your kids all the time. You've got to do this all the time. And, and we put so much clout on that, which is, is true. You know, you need to read the Bible to your kids. You need to pray to the kids. But it's, it's small things. So I've got a little illustration that I was wanting to do. Um, so... Uh, Miss Nair, I mean Miss Caroline, if you will grab that water bottle. Yeah, if you'll grab that water bottle. Yeah, so you're gonna grab the water bottle. If you'll hold this. Um, if you'll grab the water bottle, and if you'll go stand down there, and if you'll put the water bottle just kind of right on your head. Yeah, I'm just kidding. We're not gonna do that. That's not gonna be something that we're gonna do. Um, But Caroline is a great example of this. Is that like I am more of, you know, Bible verses and being an encourager and this kind of things. Caroline starts early. Like Ace already knows songs. Like his favorite thing, he's got this t-shirt that says, you know, my God is so big, my God is so strong, my God is so mighty. You know, and Caroline, every time she sees it, she talks to him. You know, what is your God? Is your God so big? Is your God so strong? Like little songs and, and all those things. And it primes them from a kid to already remember those things. So then as they go to start memorizing scripture, she sang songs with them that are scripture. And she's been singing them scripture since they were little. You know, she's been bringing these things into them since they were little. And so the thing about that, that I like about parenting about a bow is that the Bible talks about kids like arrows a lot, you know, that, that someone that has a full quiver of arrows is greatly blessed. Um, and the thing about this, this, this uh, bow is that I love using this thing. You know, it, it can provide me meat, it can provide me, you know, with entertainment, I can go outside and I can blow off steam by, by shooting arrows at a target, it can be a great tool. But I've also told Nara that this thing is dangerous if you don't have a good control of it. If I don't have a good control over my arrow, it's dangerous. And so as I'm pulling it back, everything that I'm doing as I'm raising my kids is drawing this bow back. It's drawing this bow, drawing this bow, drawing this bow. But once I let go of that arrow, 
I have absolutely no control over where it goes. I have absolutely no control of where that arrow goes. Um, and that's the same way with, with our kids. As we raise our kids, we're pulling this bow back. We're saying, okay, I'm getting ready to let you go. I'm getting ready to let you go. And either we have not prepared them for when we let them go, or we just don't let them go at all. And so the, the, I think an important discussion for us to have and to recognize, not, it goes beyond just talking about the role of parents, but also the role of the church. Because, you know, especially within the context of the church, we, um, we, we have interaction and contact with a lot of broken homes. And, uh, and, and children that are being raised in, in homes where there maybe there isn't a strong father figure, mother, or, or both. And, and grandparents are raising, raising them or, or another relative is raising them. And, and when we are interacting with them with, as, within the student ministry, within the children's ministry, and, and whatnot. And for the church to recognize that our influence... And our encouragement to these kids and your alls as you volunteer for these ministries may, may go deeper than you ever realize when we give that child that hug or we, or we pray with them or we play that game with them. And so to be able to, to recognize our role in today's realm and today's society I think even goes deeper and beyond even that. What, do you have something to, to share on that? Well, one of the things that you and I were talking about when we were talking about the, the bow analogy is that uh, this doesn't have to be my arrow. I mean, this doesn't have to be my arrow. If, if I find an arrow that doesn't have someone pulling it back, you know, let me invest in that child's life. Uh, I was so excited. I, I got, uh, th there were some, some students that, uh, you know, this weekend that I heard of that, um, some of the, the men, the men's ministry, we've been talking about mentoring the past couple months. You know, hey, let's get a mentor. Let's get mentoring. Let's, let's go and, and let's do and, and let's invest in students' lives. And I heard a story over the weekend of two men that went and picked up a couple of students and took them to a car show. You know, I mean, that's, you think about it and you're like, man, this is, it's, it's a car show. I was going anywhere. Well, it meant the world to these kids that you decided to take them. You know, that you got to have time spending with them. You know, it, it's not always the, all right, how am I going to work the gospel into this conversation? Just be there and let the Spirit move on how the situation is going to go, you know. And I think when we're, as we're talking about uh, the vision of the church and what ministry looks like going forward, I think mentoring is, is a big, plays a big role in that, that perhaps we need to either recapture or capture again, or maybe we need to start learning what that looks like uh, with what we're seeing that's taking place within, uh, from, uh, from your um, testimony just there, um, you know, men taking the time to just be there for those kids and to do something with them and for providing a connection with them that they may not be receiving otherwise. And, um, and ministry goes, you know, it doesn't have to just be on Sunday morning at 9.15. It doesn't have to be on Wednesday night at 5.45. I think recognizing that your involvement in Awana and student ministry downstairs, I know that on, on every Wednesday night when we start off uh, our prayer time in my class, we pray for you all. 
and what's taking place in the Awana room and in the Student Ministry Center on Wednesday nights. We pray for you all and, and, and what's, what you all are, are teaching and talking cause, uh, to those kids because, you know, that's, I, I feel like that that's important, uh, an important ministry for adults to have. Um, if, we're, if we can't be there, uh, be hands-on, but to, but to be there in prayer. But then, like you were saying, um, to t- what you're encouraging the men's ministry to do for our young men. Um, and, and we've had this conversation uh, with the men, the ladies in the church, or maybe the men that haven't been here on a Saturday, um, haven't been part of that discussion. Share a little bit with how you've been challenging the men in regards to that. So I always, I always challenge parents. Be involved, be proactive, and be your spirit, be your child's spiritual guide. And then, as far as the church, what I've what I've been challenging the guys with is be a support and be available. Be a support, be available, be a mentor. Um, this doesn't always have to be that you're spending twenty hours a day dealing with students. Um, it, it could be that, that you're just there with a, a family that's struggling. I know that one of the things that me and Caroline have joked about is when people come up to us and, and you know, they hear us at a grocery store or something and we're getting aggravated and they're, they're like, oh, well, you're going to miss this. No, I'm not. <laughs> you know, no, I'm not. <laughs> but really, we need to hear that. Even if it's coming up to a young, you, you've already raised your kids and you're in that moment of, man, I wish I could see my kid throw a tantrum. Man, I wish I could deal with this. Even if it's just speaking into their life. Even if it's just picking up and, and taking someone to, to, um, to a, a car show. We have the majority of our students that come through this church are from broken families. Which means they either have either a mom, a dad, or neither. Um, and so one of the things that I've challenged the guys, the, the men's ministry to, is just find those kids. As you're walking out, get to know a student. You don't have to know their backstory. Get to know a student. I can guarantee you they have one. Get to know a student and invest in them. Um, be, be a part of just a mentorship program. If you don't know how to get involved with a student, trust me. Me and Becky can put you to work. <laughs> you know? So it's just be involved. Be, yeah. be available. And, and I think that that connection... Um, gives, whether it's a father figure, gives that child somebody they know that they can call and they can talk to, but it can also be a support to that second parent, be a support to that mother, be a support to that guardian, and to be able to encourage them too. So to, to, I see this as a prayer of your best. Lord, expand my territory. How can I, can, how can I minister to someone that, that, I haven't, that, I, that I haven't considered before? And perhaps that's something uh, that the Lord might be impressing upon you is uh, your involvement, especially amongst the children's ministry, the students' ministry, um, first kids and first students, as we're going to start calling them before long, once we, once we get the uh, things adapted that way, but, but also to the, the single moms, um, especially within our church. I think um, recognizing on Wednesday nights at 5 o'clock, uh, Marsha, you have a, a prayer ministry with, uh, with moms and grandmas. Why don't you talk about that a moment? What we do on um, Wednesday at 5 is we are praying for our children and our students and those who work with them. Um, and there are plenty of other things to pray about, but that is, they are the focus. That is, that is what we spend our time at 5 o'clock praying. And, um, you know, just praying sometimes doesn't seem like a big deal. 
but it is foundational. Um, if, you, if you want God to do something in your child's heart, you better be talking to him about it. Um, he, he will. He will. And they, and they notice. Uh, I do. A few months ago, one of my children was complaining to another about some person he was having trouble with. And um, the other child said, well, well, you need to talk to mom and dad about that. And he said, no, because I know what mom's going to say. Pray about it. <laughs> so they know. They, you know, when, when, when one says, you know, I have trouble with this other kid at school, and we start praying for that other kid, you know, it may take all year, but, you know, by the end of the year, one of them's moved away, or one of them, or one of them, then they've become best friends, you know. So it's when, you know, it's not the thing, you know, we, we, they don't always have to know what you pray about and when, but they need to know that it's happening. And for us to, to, to uh, have this ministry starting on Wednesday nights, it's been going on for two or three months now, um, uh, for uh, moms getting together to pray, I, we want to encourage you to, to come and be a part of that. If, if at all possible, if you can come an hour earlier and be part of that and to build that support network amongst other women in the church um, and other moms so that they can be praying for you. You know that they're praying for you during the week. And there's a conference next month on a Saturday that you're going to. Isn't that correct here locally? Uh, moms in Prayer um, is an organization that all over the world that mothers get together and form groups to pray for the schools that their children attend. Uh, and I, that is where I learned to pray. Um, we had wa- a group for my homeschool group um, years ago, and that is where I really learned how to praise God for who he is and talk to him about our children. So they are having a one-day prayer conference October 23rd, and I will be going. So if you would like to be going as well, come and see me, and we can talk about how to make that happen. Excellent. And I... and. Us finding ways uh, for parents to be able to support one another, whether it's in the, within the men's ministry, within the women's ministry, uh, I think will go a long way of, of being able to get these prayer circles together and you being able to be able to share, this is what I need help in. This is where I need you to bathe me in prayer in. Another thing that Marcia and I have tried to do these last couple of weeks is uh, provide textbooks for you. Uh, resources that we have utilized and used and to encourage you to let you know that they're here if you want to steal one or buy one from us. And uh, what we have uh, today is a book by Dr. Kevin Lehman um, called Have a New Kid by Friday. And so today is Sunday, so who wouldn't like to have a new kid by Friday? Not a newborn, but a new kid. Uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> that was that was the first week, how to have a newborn. But, but anyway, that's... Um, I'm a bad, I'm, I'm a bad guy. Anyway, so we have uh, four copies of this up here. One, two, three, four. And we have two copies of Have a New Teenager by Friday up here. And I think what, when you read this text, now I know it looks thick, but it is, it is an excellent read. And I tell you that when you read this, what it actually talks about is being a new parent by Friday, not necessarily how to change your kid. And so these are up here uh, for you to get. I think it's, it's all the time it's, it's important for us to be able to, 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 to go to trusted resources. And this is one that, that Marsha and I have used. I think I joked last week she read the book Have a New Husband by Friday. Did it work? Or is it still Only a work in progress? Only when I do what it said. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Only when you do what it says. Uh, and so we have that resource up here. We want to get people connected uh, in prayer groups. And so we're, you, you hear us talking about that, about that more often. But, but also you finding a way to be involved with youth ministry in Awana. If you, and, it's, and it's not just about the, the student ministry and Awana. It's not about the organizations. It's not about, yes, there's lessons that have to be learned or sitting down and, and memorizing the scripture verses and encouraging the kids. But it's also the interaction that's a ministry. And, you know, and so let me encourage you. I'm sure that Becky would love to have the help. I'm sure this, that, that Mike would love to have the help as well downstairs. Uh, but, but recognize that the ministry of connecting with those kids um, would go a long way in their, not just their spiritual development, but also in their relational development as well. And I think that is something that as a church that we need to recognize our role in that. Uh, and seeing to that, especially amongst those that, that the Lord gives us to be able to minister, minister at this time. So we're, we're here to help. We're here to, to encourage you. We're here to celebrate what God has brought together. And at whatever way and at whatever kind of mess that your home is in, it's the, it is the, it, the Lord has worked that out to where you are parenting these children in this day and in this age. You know, and so let's come together as a church and let's, let's see how the Lord uh, matures you as, as you are attempting to mature your children. We have any closing thoughts from you all that you want to share? Um, I just want to echo Miss Marsha on prayer. Um, how many of us in here are like me that the reason you're a Christian is because somebody spent a lot of time in prayer on you? You know, so I would just uh, I would just echo that. One of the biggest things that you can do for your kids or your grandkids or your nieces or your nephews is to spend time in prayer for them um, and spend time in prayer with them. Some of the sweetest moments I have with my kids are times in prayer, you know, when, when you're trying to pray with Ace and you say, you know, um, you know, and, and I pray for Sissy and he just keeps repeating and Jeeps and Jeeps. Um, so, you know, but, but Nara has now gotten to the time where she's starting to pray prayers, you know, and, and it's amazing. So pray with your kids, pray for your and we have testimony in our family about our daughter-in-law um, with a teacher that was praying for her, not to give her testimony for her, but, but would you? Yes, some of you heard her on a Wednesday night a few months ago, but um, Emily grew up in a Jehovah's Witness family. And so at school, there were often times when she was not allowed to participate in celebrations and birthday parties. So she had one teacher that was especially sensitive to that, um, to make sure she felt included in some way. Um, so that was third or fourth grade. And then uh, when she was 19, probably, she was working at a nail salon and a customer came in and they recognized each other. And so she told a story, you know, that, oh yes, now I'm, I'm gonna get married and now I'm at the Baptist church and I've been baptized. And the lady said that she was the fourth grade teacher from years ago. She said, I have been praying for you since you were in my class. She remembered that student, and she kept on praying, even when she didn't know what happened to her. She didn't know where she was, but the Lord heard those prayers. And what a blessing for her to be able to, to hear that update. We don't always get the update, but 
the Lord is still working. Yeah, and I think that that's testimony to the power of prayer and your ministry to prayer, your involvement in children's lives and praying for them and praying that um, whatever cloud or doubt or deception that has, um, that has masked the Lord's blessing in their life or the Lord's will for their life to be lifted one day somehow or in some way and your investment in prayer for that child, your involvement in prayer for that child um, will, will be part of that and let me encourage you in that. So um, as we move to, uh, to close things today, you know, I want us to be able to, to end with a, a, a time of commitment and recognizing how the Lord has brought us together to be able to be encouragement to one another. And as we uh, close things here on the, on the celebration of family, we recognize that, yes, families, being a family is hard. Being a family is rough. And there are times at night whenever we're laying there in bed saying, oh, Lord, did I mess that up today? Um, did I say the wrong thing? Um, how do I respond to my child after having to discipline them so diff- so so harshly today? You know, and and take that first step as a parent, as the adult in the house. Take that first step to speak into their life, to share with them your love, to share with them how you love them, how you care for them, how you want to be there for them. Remind them what your role is as a parent in their life and that that isn't always going to be one of friendship, that it's going to have to have a parental, uh, uh, there's a parental role there that you have to fill in order to raise them up, in order to train them up, and that you're going to do that. But at the same time, be able to ask them, what's going on in your life? You know, what is troubling you? What is the difficulty in your life? How can I pray for you today? Um, in, in scripture, uh, when it talks about um, being an elder or being a deacon, it talks about being able to manage their household well. I think that that's part of that. I've come to believe that that's part of that. It's not about getting your children to behave because, well, that's kind of hard to do depending upon how much caffeine's in their system. Uh, but it, it's about being able to be the parent, love them, teach them, and see them grow in grace. What does that look like in your home? Well, it might not look like it's, it's working out all that well. But I think that as we bathe things in prayer, as we take the time to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to, to lead and to make things happen, we have started building a foundation where we will see the dividends. So let's go together in prayer. Let's, let's wrap this up. And perhaps as we go into this time of invitation, perhaps there's something that you need to come forward and pray for at the altar. Or perhaps um, there, there's just something that you just need to just come forward and just say, you know, Pastor, I'm going to ask Mike to be down front as well. Um, pray for me. Pray for what's going on in my home. Maybe you want to bring your children up and we pray over you all this morning. I think it's just a great way to be able to finish things up uh, this morning. Maybe the Lord uh, has, has uh, led somebody into your life to talk to you about faith in Christ. And we want to give you that opportunity to be able to publicly announce what uh, the Lord has done in your life this morning as well. So let's pray together and then we'll have a time of invitation, decision, and then you come forward.